0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What what about the quotes on the
1: cast? Yeah, so uh, by the the 20th century in India, there were something like well over a thousand castes, many, many layers. And um, so uh, we're talking about the ancient world here, and so exactly when these different castes are differentiated out, but the ancient, these ancient texts really uh, distinguished primarily, uh, primarily three or four castes, And uh, there might have been other, there might, the untouchables might have existed back then, and they were just, just not even talked about. They were just, you know, perhaps. And um, so the Brahmins, the ruling, then the kind of the aristocrats, the rulers kind of, uh, sometimes called warriors, but not just the foot soldiers, but probably the aristocratic noblemen women, and then um, the, the Vesas are probably the people who, kind of who had trades and worked, who had some property. They, were, they had farms, they had cattle, they had sheep, and then, um, and then the Sudhas are more the servants or the menial And in, in texts, and what she just described now, they're the hunters, and, they start, and hunting is like, at least in the Buddhist point of view, being a hunter is like the, one of the worst professions you can do. Okay, So uh, before we go any further, we would like you guys to um, uh, engage the story uh, in small groups. And in order to see, and what we're going to do is give, uh, we've divided the the story into four parts. We're going to give you um, uh, your fourth, your quarter. And in your group, you're going to kind of uh, uh, milk the story for whatever it's good for, whatever (laughs) worth it is. You're going to analyze it, interpret it, find value. What's going on in the story? Uh, you can be defined by it, or you can define yourself. You, know, you, can do, you can be the definer or the defined. You could just engage in it. Make it come alive. What, what, what is it about the story? What, in what way is having the story useful? What might be useful or meaningful? Or What's the deepest dharma that's available in the story? Why, why are Buddhists telling these stories? What's going on here? And so... Uh, what we'll do is, I think we'll break up into groups of about four, and, um, and uh, there'll, there'll be, uh, uh, so what that means is 32 people here about, so we'll have um, uh, uh, eight groups, two groups for each quarter of the text, and then when you guys discuss it, and then we'll come back, and then we'll hear a little report from each group, uh, briefly kind of recapping the highlights of your wisdom your understanding, your analysis, or your questions, or whatever came out of it.
0: Okay. Let's see, am I, yes. So I hope that was interesting. To share your different ideas for the portion of the story that you had. So now we're going to ask... That um, individuals report back about their group, and in the way that I was thinking about it, m- you can't hear. Is it? Am I on? I think I am. It's on
1: here. It's on. Okay, so maybe I'll I'll try speaking louder.
0: Is this? Can you help me here? Oh, maybe I sat on it or something. Okay, here we go. This is louder. Okay, so the idea is that um, we'll have one person from each group report back. And in my mind, I was thinking how often you know romantic comedies are described as girl meets boy, boy loses girl, girl and boy get married, or something like that. So this is the kind of report back, something that's you know a big, broad brush, kind of short. Just what is the gist of it? And when you report back, you don't have to say what everybody in your group did. Maybe it's just your own kind of personal way that you thought about it or, you know, that was influenced by others in your group. So we'll do somebody from group one, two, three, and four, and then we'll do again somebody from group one, two, three, and four. Richard wants to ask and Richard, do you have a question? Nope. Oh. Okay, I don't remember exactly where um, the group ones are, but would somebody from a group one like to report back their interpretation of their section of the Aganya Sutta? What
2: group one?
0: Pink. Group one is pink. Should we put this up?
3: So, I'll go first, and I'll show everybody how to hold the mic.
0: Thank you.
3: You talked into the top of it. Not like this, because we won't hear you, but like this. Um, What I found very interesting about this process with the group was listening to what each of us experienced from the story. And then, how different that was in my view. I came to it with a particular. Um, I experienced it as kind of as my experience, but then as each person spoke, Sharon spoke, and then Nina, and then Catherine spoke, and each person had a very different impression or I- impact. It was really beautiful. Um, Sharon quickly shared how. Um, it was interesting how, I think the term was Q, Took their Q in our section, and then t- people deciding to follow or not, You know, this everybody followed. You know, which was a very interesting uh, perspective on that story. And then uh, Nana talked about how she s- broke down each period as sort of connected to consciousness, manifesting from sort of. A lumin- luminous consciousness down to the density of being human, and the parallel there in that little section. And then Catherine talked about awake the Buddha's position and awakening, and the sort of the 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 narrative versus the story, and brought a whole other beautiful understanding to the process. And mine was more a reflection about all of it, which was very uh, different as well. So, it was, what I found beautiful about it was that everybody had an opportunity to express how they understood it. And we all learned in that process from the story. It was beautiful. So, that's that.
0: So, let's see if I, I if I can summarize. Am I on? Like, what's? No, Tony, you're not. Can you, can you get to, uh,
1: be monitoring that better?
0: I don't know why, uh, now you can hear me better. Yes, so for those of you who don't know, the first part of the sutta, right, was where the, the world um, expands and contracts and the being, and the savory earth. And I think Richard was saying, if I could uh, summarize, that, um, that a different interpretations, saying that it symbolized different things for different members of your group. Is that, uh, yes? Okay, would um, somebody from the second one, which is the blue, and this is um, where the beings are um, feasting on the savory earth, and then going to, I think, and then where they start having sex.
4: (laughs) Yes, we went from feasting to sex in our group. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. So um, the last theme that came up actually was the tension between holding this story in awareness as a reflection and um, defining it by our cultural sensibilities and just by who we are, the fact that we're looking back on it a couple of millennia later. In general, our group really looked at um, some of the trends in the paragraphs of the stories. So... For example, that greed conditions greed in this portion of the story, and that aversion conditions aversion, and that beings greed for um, well, hoarding each other, if you will, also conditioned aversion in some of the other beings. There's also a sense of um, what caused this initial impulse towards this coarsening, and the curiosity and the greed there. And the gradual coarsening being a more and more rigid way of self-definition that led to this sense of loss that at least in this portion of the story feels almost irrevocable, like they can't get back. Um, The question came up also of um, why was sex vilified in this story? And um, we had some notions about that. There were some comparisons actually to the Christian story of Eve and the apple as well. And um, the reflection that this is a story that was told by and for a monastic community and that may have informed the role of how sex was considered. Mm. That's what I have.
0: Great, thank you. And uh, somebody from the third group? Let's see, that is the gold and, let's see, I think this is, is this from, well, maybe somebody can tell me in just like one sentence, this, the, what portion of the story this is.
5: On knowledge of beginnings.
0: Yes. Oh, this is where they decide not to um, gather rice. Right. Or uh, twice a day. Okay.
5: Right. So... <laughs> it It looks as though it's the end of civilization um where people are starting to engage more in greed and going off into their own um, hoarding the rice, having sex, moving indoors to have sex, and as opposed to the um the civilization um being together, they start to move off into different areas, or to into to to more selfish, uh, self-centered activities that move them off away from civilization. Um, we also, um, as as we got to the the end of it in uh, the last paragraph, where the official comes in, all of a sudden, um, the people who are judging this activity determine that somebody needs to be appointed to, to monitor this, and then to administer um, some type of justice. It's like, all of a sudden, we cannot control ourselves anymore, that we need appointed or elected individuals to to kind of bring us into uh, some interpretation of society that, that we've lost, you know. Um, but we also noticed that it's, it didn't seem as though there was an ability to return to that previous state of, of civilization, of harmony.
0: Mm. Thank you, so a message of going one direction, like the and the, it's so much so there's differentiation between those who have to rebuke others.
5: Right, right, and, um, and, and once, once separated from the pack, they, they mm. couldn't seem to return, um, either based on greed or, or comfort.
0: Great, thank you with somebody from a group four, which is the purple, and that's the part of the story where they talk about the origin of the different castes.
6: Right, so we have the four castes um, being defined, and we noticed, we had several different threads that I'll try to unify, so we saw immediately that there was this diversification of, of people, and that it was done by task actually um, what people were doing was the definition and as we were reading it a, a couple of us felt the sort of experiential feeling of where do I fit in <laughs> you know what's the where does the, it resonate for me What which one would I be or something like that and so this um, f- feeling then um, led to the sense that, okay, when there's this clear definition, um, there's a feeling of uh, losing the sense of the whole because we want to know where we are and we're not thinking about the larger picture (coughs) as much by the way the language is structured. And so so there's some use to this. Um, It could be used to as an explanation, oh, you know, we look around and we see that people do different things and this could be an explanation of why that is. Um, but then playing off the question that you posed earlier, do we define or are we defined by, this could go toward um, explaining why things are as they are and why they shouldn't be changed. And so you are like that and that's where you are and it's, it's written down right here that this is the origin. So don't have any other ideas, please. So it could be used in that way to kind of keep the peace. Um, It can also, we also sensed a feeling of um, this is a way to establish an order, an organization around a differentiated society, not unlike in spirit, the original sense that everything was in harmony but this is now a much coarser, kind of more complicated <laughs> harmony that has to be established with, much, with a lot of details around it because there's been this falling away from the the original whole um, kind of sense of everybody being truly the same. Um, however, that we sense that because of this last line on every one, they originated among these very same beings, like ourselves, no different. So there is in this, right there embedded in the differentiation, is this sense of aiming back towards this hole. So we had a sense like a, they start at the hole and then it comes down, and this is maybe at the bottom of a circle, and there's a choice about whether you're going to go back up towards the hole, which we felt could um, maybe involve the... Uh, introduction of compassion for having seeing different beings as the same as ourselves or in other directions like control peacekeeping through order that kind of thing so this is a little bit of a choice point of what is what is to be done with this definition
0: thank you so I think if I understood some of it, it's like the differentiation into the groups. You guys felt like also kind of the differentiation of oh, an individual like where do I fill in here? Also maybe a justification for it could provide a justification for the way things are, but it's not necessarily a loss of harmony, right? Having I mean, a differentiate could be, but isn't necessarily. It's interesting. Thank you. Okay, so let's um, hear back from the other group one maybe we could keep it just a little bit briefer maybe we could just keep a little bit briefer or your um,
2: differentiation different sorry wow. differentiation um, really is a theme through the little part that we had um, I'm struck now by the word mind-made, and I don't know when this came into the story, but that's certainly a Buddhist theme that uh, probably is comes in long after this was... Uh, but I, I just found it interesting to, to be there. Um, we have uh, these self-luminous beings feeding on delight, great world. Um, then we have... Um, um, and, and it goes on to say how things just aren't differentiated, no moon or sun, no constellations, no months or fortnights. Then the the uh, sense doors, perceiving color, smell, taste, and so on, uh, are highlighted. And then greediness and craving come in, and uh, there is... Uh, a lot of participation in all the good flavors and so on and so forth, and that seems to lead to differentiation. First, the uh, beings lose their self-luminous, and that results in uh, the moon and the sun appearing, which weren't there before. Uh, I was struck by certain kinds of parallels with the and Eve story, although clearly these were not influencing each other, I presume. Um, but there too, it was, uh, sense matter, um, uh, being in, uh, in, uh, not imbibed in, but
0: indulged in. D- d- thank right. you very much. Yes, yes.
2: Um, and, um, that resulted in being thrown out of the garden. Yes. And this sounds somewhat like that.
0: Yeah. So consequences to indulging in sense pleasures. Okay. Maybe can we um, for the another group too, and we'll try to keep it a little brief. Where is the?
6: <laughs> so in our group, um, each of us took just a little different perspective. One focused on greed and indulgence. Another on um, on arrogance. And the looks, and we also got to the Adam and Eve story and saw many parallels, um, but uh, a difference that I saw is that this talks about consequences um, as opposed to punishment or punishment from on high, and, and this being consequences of, of our actions.
0: Mm, great, Thank you for that. Somebody from group
7: three. Me. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> so we started from the question, "Why is this here?" And um, the central point for us, ob- observation that that everyone made, was it really ties in this this. Um, the uh, creation of society myth, the way the society is, the way it is, it really ties in with the view, the Buddhist view of, um, of, um, uh, of hindrances, how hindrances drive people, basically. Um, there, in, in this section, there's mention of, of greed, uh, people harvesting too much rice, and there also there's an environmental aspect there, that there's so much rice that at some point um, the rice doesn't grow. Very well, so it becomes harder so that that's a point that we take all, took also there's mention of of laziness and other hindrance, so really pointing out okay that our society is the way it is because of human nature mm-hmm. um, this is th- this is how we've ended up so um there's another Buddhist theme that is here as well, and that's learning from others uh, because f- the first person who uh hordes rice uh shows this next person no need my friend i gathered enough for two days so they te- they keep teaching each other um and um through that th- there, that that um through through these hindrances aggression comes about and then the need for pol- policing the society and and we are in this mess again because of because of human nature but um as, uh, as, as one of us observed, it's also bi-directional. We have ended up, the, the society is the way it is because of human nature, and yet it gives us a roadmap perhaps for, for seeing that there, there's another possibility.
0: Great, thank you. And now uh, the other group four. It's the differentiation into the castes.
8: So I think there was a communist in our group. So there was a political kind of, um, this is a balm for the masses. Uh, there was that feeling expressed that it was a way to subdue people and then and, uh, have them accept their lot. Even though this was these were the supposedly words of the Buddha, that he was a, uh, a, presenting a balm for the masses. There was another strain uh, that was kind of like, that the Buddha was pointing out the absurdity of this differentiation that this just kind of arose out arose up in a very arbitrary way and um, just that it was absurd it was just so arbitrary and then there was another strain that going back to this uh, that all of these differentiations of classes came from the same being So the source was acknowledged in every one of the uh, distinctions so that whatever class you were in, you could maybe take comfort in that, that you could light your incense or bow to your religious figure or whatever and feel that you're a part of everything else.
0: Oh, sorry, thank you. I'll get the hang of this. It was interesting to see how there's so many different interpretations, some that uh, it was symbolic of other things that were happening, perhaps for us as individuals, or maybe it was a way to justify certain things that were happening in society. There's lots of different interpretations for this. So um, maybe I'll share one that a scholar has done, uh, Steve Collins. He, he said, unless... Um, Uh, One interpretation of this is that it's justifying some of the vinya practices, the monastic practices. So unless you've studied them, you wouldn't necessarily know this. But the idea that you shouldn't stick your finger in your food and eat it from there... You shouldn't build houses. You should be moving to become homeless, right? To go from the householder to the homeless. You shouldn't be having sex. You cannot store food for more than eight days. So a lot of the elements that are in the Vinaya practices are here in this uh, story. So that's just one person's interpretation. I I think there's truth in all of these, right? And then here's another person who wrote... um, his own interpretation which i think is kind of delightful and um gill found this it's by ambiku um, sujato who is i think he's in australia and he um does a number of sutta studies so i'll just read you this brief thing that he wrote about the interpretation of this story the world starts as watery dark and featureless as the womb The radiant gods arrive like the bright spark of consciousness at the moment of conception. The tasty earth, the savory earth, is like the mother's milk, for the earth was of old always the mother, and that description is suitably milky. The beings suck the stuff off their fingers like babies suckle their mother's breast. And since the little one has now come out of the womb, days and nights appear. Gradually, the food gets coarser, just as a growing child tries out a variety of coarser foods. But food still appears without work, as if by magic, thanks to the unappreciated efforts of mom and dad. (laughs) Their bodies get bigger and tougher. They lose their baby cuteness and look more and more different from each other. With adolescents, their sexual characteristics become more prominent. They play around with sex, so they have to move out into their own private dwellings as newlyweds. But now their food doesn't just appear, they must work for it. So they take to farming, becoming landowners, and take an active role in politics. So my point in sharing this yeah, I thought this was very clever, right? It was a very, uh, you know, kind of a contemporary interpretation of this. And my point in sharing this is I that there's lots of different ways that we can look at these stories. I don't know if we can determine exactly what was the Buddha's intention or the compilers of the suttas, what exactly this is. But there's lots of ways that we can look at it and think about it and apply it to our lives. Okay, so it's 11 o'clock now. Unless you have something you want to add, Gil? It's time for a break. So let's take uh, 20 minutes and we'll come back here at 11.20.